Hey, this is Chelsea, and you are listening to Put of the Cross. I just want to say, happy Sunday. I am looking around, and it is so beautiful outside. I don't know where you are right now, but don't you ever just go outside, and you look at the leaves, and then you look at the vines, and then you kind of gradually see nature literally inside of a tree because now you see squirrels and then you see the birds kind of coming and going. And then you see the squirrels fighting because one of them has a nut that the other wants. In nature, it really is almost the same like humans. We want what the other one has and we'll do anything to get it. Especially if it makes us feel good. Isn't it like that with drugs, though? You're always going to want what the other one has as an addict. You're always going to be searching and lurking around every corner and asking one person after another what they have. And if they don't have what you want, you're done with them. You're done with them. And you're not going to bother with them again. Unless you hear otherwise. It's so sad how we treat people. One minute they're your best friend. The next minute they're not. I know from experience of being used. And I know from experience of using others. And if I can stand up and say that, you would think other people would too. I never wanted to say I needed help. I never wanted to say it. I wouldn't admit to a single thing until later, actually. I mean, I never had guilt. And that's the truth. Until I stopped doing drugs, I never had guilt. I never felt felt actual guilt. And even when I got clean, it still took a while to feel it. I mean, I remember watching documentaries and going, Am I like that person that's going to prison right now? Am I psychotic? Why don't I feel what I'm supposed to feel when I do something wrong. I used to be pleased with myself if I was able to get out of a ticket or out of a bar tab. (laughs) I used to be pleased with myself of being able to 
get into any lock. I mean, I was very good at getting into locks. <laughs> See, I'm still bragging about it. None of those things are good, though, you know? It's like, well, how did you come about to be good? to be good at locks because I wanted what the F was inside. <laughs> and damn it, I was going to get it. And with all these documentaries today showing us, you know, you would think that we wouldn't even need to go and experience something ourselves to know what's waiting for us on the other side because it doesn't matter how good you are at being bad. You are going to eventually get caught. It's a fact. And it might be something small. Maybe you have been um, carrying drugs in your car from one state to another. Oh, a crap load of drugs. And you are invincible. You're untouchable. You've never had a charge in your life. But one day, my friend, you know, you get pulled over for speeding. And you look a little nervous. So he asked, hey, step out of the car. Move to the side. Uh, would you mind if I look in the vehicle, sir? Yeah, sure, I have nothing to hide. And then, boom, you know, you didn't hide them good enough. And he finds your drugs. Well... Now, your first charge of your life is not just a simple one. It's certainly not just a speeding ticket. So how do you, how do you con your way out of that one? You don't. And then you go to jail. And then when you get out, you realize that nobody wants to hire you so what do you do you go back to what you think you're good at and the thing about that is the more we think that we're not going to get away with it the more vulnerable we are and that we make ourselves and it's not good i mean it's not good at all And when they finally end up doing their sentence, it's going to be a big one. Unless they start turning people in, in which, you know, you might get killed either way. Because then you are still in, running around in fear. Always thinking that the one that you snitched on is going to have somebody hurt you. So in a way, you're going to jail no matter what. Depending on who you snitch out, I guess. But still. I mean, do you feel better now that you've turned somebody in? Does it make you feel good that you just destroyed somebody else's life to save your own? You know, when I was married, and I did, I told on my husband a couple of times... It wasn't to snitch on him. It was to either 
help my life or help his. I mean, he came out of it, you know, telling a lot of people that I was a snitch. But what he didn't know until later was that I've saved him from quite a few charges and even took the rap for him. And I remember one time he actually saw court papers and it said, I, Chelsea Hallow, um, you know, all the drugs were mine, blah, 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 blah. And he looked at me and he said, why didn't you ever tell me you did this for me? And I said, because I don't go around, you know, bragging about the good things I do. I'm not, <laughs> I mean, and I, I definitely never held it over him. Guys are actually quicker to hold stuff over you, aren't they? I mean, they do one good thing, and it's like, I remember when I did that that time. Come on, you can't say I've never done anything good for you. <laughs> yes, some women do it too, but men more than others, and that is a fact. But guys, we've got to realize that there is something bigger at play here. Something bigger in the works here. God knows you and he knows me and he wants to help you so much. He wants to give you a hug and tell you, hey, I've got you. But you have to be willing to let him in. You have to listen with your inner ear. Have you ever heard of that term, cutting someone's ears off? Like, well, you've cut her ears off. That term is about, you know, harming somebody whether it's emotional or physical or spiritual even, so much to the point that it doesn't matter what you say, they're not going to listen. You have metaphorically cut their ears off. They're no longer listening to you. I mean, let's say it's a daughter or a son or something. They're not going to listen to you. They are literally, you're talking and they're even saying yes ma'am or no ma'am, but they can't hear a word you're saying because you've harmed them in some type of way. And until you figure it out and you sort that out, you have cut their ears off. Well, we do that to God. We cut our ears off to God and it's time we put them back on and start to really listen because times are changing and things are really happening now you know that is beyond you and me it's going to make drug problems look so small.
We've talked about it before, about the meaning of insanity, which is, of course, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, that meaning hasn't changed. I've gone through withdrawals. I don't want to go through it ever again. Do you? Is that what you want? Do you want to keep going through withdrawal? Do you want to keep cutting God's ear off? Do you want to keep destroying the lives of the people you love so that later on when you need someone for real, they're not going to be there for you? It's time to admit that you have a problem. It's time to say, I need help. It's time to stop manipulating. It's time to stop pretending. Because one day, Mama and Daddy's not going to be around to fix everything. And if you don't have your parents, well, you, you've already lost them. And whoever you have in your life now will go be gone. Then what are you going to do? And if you are homeless and on the street, poor me. There's nobody to help me. I have nothing. Well, anytime you have something, you put it in your arm. Get off the drugs, and then maybe you can get a job and not be homeless. Most people that are homeless are somehow, one way or another, choosing to be homeless. And a lot of people are going to get mad at me for saying that, but look at what's going on here, okay? Look at what's going on. A vet on the street, I can understand. But someone like me, for instance, who grew up living in the suburbs, people. I almost ended up on the street permanently so many times, and it was so stupid. I put myself there. I landed in the same situation over and over. I needed to ask for help. When I finally got away from the people that I shouldn't be around anymore, when I finally told my mom what was going on, when I finally told my brother what was going on, when I finally told my kids what was going on, a weight was lifted. You have no idea. I'm still fixing relationships now. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Nobody said that you're going to have everyone by your side the day you do it. But you're going to begin to heal with others. And no matter how long it takes, who cares? The fact is, is that immediately already you have begun to change your life around.
And now you are at the break of having real relationships. You are at the break of having a real chance at life. You now are no longer going to be consumed with picking up the phone, asking everybody what they have. Toss your burner phone and burn it to the ground. You will now no longer be having a look over your shoulder. And if you ended up with paranoia schizophrenia, be paranoid schizophrenia, if you are a paranoid schizophrenic because of long-term drug use, go get on the right drug to help you so that you no longer hear the demons talking to you and get some help. I have experienced times where I thought I was going to be a paranoid schizophrenic for the rest of my life. And you're probably saying... If she was ever a paranoid schizophrenic, she is now. That's not true. You know why? Because God healed me. I heard voices. I, at least I thought I did. I couldn't tell from my thoughts and other sounds, if that makes sense. I always told my mom, my head is full. She never knew what I was talking about. What I was trying to tell her. My head is full with noise. My head is full of voices. And when that's going on, you know, you tend to blame it on ADD. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention because I have ADD. But you know what's going on. Tell somebody. There's people that have said, you know, if I, if you can count your friends on one of your hands, then you are one of the luckiest people in the world. And I always thought that they were crazy because I used to have tons of friends. I used to have so many that I couldn't count. So I was like, well, I guess I'm the luckiest, 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 luckiest person in the entire world. And now I can maybe name two really good friends in my life. And I'm going to be 37 on the 21st of October. <laughs> I am a Christian. I do not do drugs anymore. I love my children so much. And whether I was making right decisions or wrong decisions, I have always been in my kids' lives. They've never been taken from me. Thank you, Jesus. But there was a point in my life where they probably should have been. If anybody got them, it would have been my parents, but that's besides the point. 
You've got to have a point in your life to say when. You've got to have a point in your life to say no. I will no longer kill myself. You have a reason to live. I don't care if you have no money in your pocket, no house, no boyfriend or girlfriend. Or if you're gay and your family kicks you out. There is always a way to change your situation. And the first step is admitting you have a problem. Second step is figuring out what to do about it. There's all, it's so funny. So funny when you find yourself in a situation where you've admitted that you're gay or a drug addict or, uh, you know, uh, a female that wants to be a man transsexual, whatever you want to call it. Guys, it's so funny. When that happens, your family runs. But guess what? There's complete strangers out there who are ready to open their arms. Don't you think that's a little weird? (laughs) I always have. I always have. And that's how a lot of my friends became my family. As I'm sure... The same happens with many other people. And that is where we find ourselves in a situation where we, when we find out that a lot of kids are joining gangs. I mean, hey. These people, they have an interest in me. They want to know where I'm at on a daily basis. They want to give me money. They want to make sure that there's milk in my fridge. Why shouldn't I join his gang? Right? Why shouldn't I be the best of the best? Why shouldn't I run around and steal? This nigga over here, he wants to help me out. Excuse my French, but I'm not saying it in the way you think at all. I used to say that word all the time when I talked black with my friends. And I know that feeling of wanting to belong. Parents look at the gangs on TV and they think, why would anyone want to join that? Why would anyone want to get the crap kicked out of them? So that they can be a part of something so bad. Well, it's not that simple, honey. First, you have to feel alone. Second, you have to be hurt by the ones that you do have in your life. Third, you have to be lonely And so secluded that you're willing to just about now do anything for attention. For someone to talk to. For somebody to care. And that's when they find you. Like bait to a fish. In the water. We need people like breathing. 
You want to know why there's a generation of grandparents taking care of their grandkids today instead of them being raised by their mom and dads? Because the last, the last generation got on drugs and had kids. And it is time to turn that around and give our kids a chance, a real chance to be somebody. If you did not teach your kids to steal, they wouldn't teach theirs and so on and so on. It's not science, people. It's easy as one, two, three. So once you fix yourself, I don't care how old your kids are when you do it. And honey, you're, you're never going to be fixed. <laughs> I mean, unless God completely heals you, you're never going to be 100% fixed. But I can assure you, God will be there for you. Whether you got someone to physically hold your hand, He is always holding your hand. He loves you day and night. So if you want to be part of something and you want to be in a gang, okay. Let's start right now and proclaim Jesus Christ is our Savior. And you will be forever be in His book. And you will never feel the pain of loneliness ever again. He's got a high waiting for you that you've never experienced before. And he's waiting. He's waiting for you to knock on that door. He's been knocking on your door for a long time. So now he's waiting for you to knock on his. So you can come on in. You're lost, and that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You hear me? It's okay. He wants to be there for you, and he wants to love you, and he wants to guide you, and show you what kind of life you can have now. But you got to be willing to give up the bad things in your life. you got to be willing to honor your new father and do as the Bible says. I know it's hard to get clean. I know it is. And you will find other things to cling to. But I'm going to warn you right now, don't choose food. Whatever you do, don't choose food as your new addiction. Okay? If you're good with your hands, 
fun things to build. Maybe going to construction, welding. There's women welders out there, and they make a fortune. Go get a welding degree. If you're good with kids, maybe you have some charges on you, but there's still ways. Okay? There are still learning centers that need help. Even if you gotta start small, so what? You gotta have something to do. Once you get the drugs out of your system, you gotta find something. Something that you're good at. If you're good at singing, find a church to sing at. Find a choir to join. I'm not kidding. You might be saying, this woman is boring. Ah, but you know what though? I love music and really, it didn't matter what kind of music I was singing. If I was singing, I was happy. And that's why during COVID, I found that Star app. And it is so much fun. And if you want to hear me, you can actually look it up. Chelsea or Cell Hallow. <laughs> C-H-E-L-S-E-Y-H-A-L-L-O. And it's... Uh, I'm on that star app, and I have a lot of songs on there that I've sang, and some of them are bad, God forgive me, but, <laughs> and some of them are really crazy because people would dare me to, like, do these certain rap songs, and I sound horrible, but, hey, I got that right, but I am very good at singing, so check me out, but all I'm saying is, is that something like that Oh, yes. It can help you when you're in withdrawal. It really can. But sitting somewhere alone by yourself after you've gotten sober is not the best thing in the world. You've got to find out what you're good at. And you've got to bury yourself in it, honey. All right. Time's up for today. Thank you for listening to Foot of the Cross. I want you to know God loves you. And whatever's going on in your life, whatever you have going on right now, there is nothing that you've done that God can't forgive. Amen. Alright, thank you for listening to Foot of the Cross. Till next time. Have a great night. Uh, somebody, a friend of mine, did a little Q&A with me. And, well, it, it didn't have help <laughs> for me to mess up the recording. But I'd like you to take a second and just hear a couple words from her. It's my friend Jessica. Thank you. Hey, this is Chelsea on Foot of the Cross, and it is a beautiful Friday. I just wanted to, um, well, 
I've got a guest today. I just wanted to like pretty much um, kind of go in the deep web of things when it comes to drugs and addiction. And today we're going to be asking her some questions. Uh, Jessica, I wanted to ask you like uh, what really like got you into drugs in the first place? Um, Taking uh lord tabs because i had a toothache and then it went from there okay and like um later on after getting into other drugs what was your drug of choice meth all right well i i did a lot of meth myself um did you start hitting anything harder like heroin or fentanyl no and what about when you were going to the methadone clinic? Did you find that it helped cravings or, or were you still having triggers? It helped cravings for a while, but then I started having triggers and I started reusing. And all 